KDXI St. George, Radio St. George at 100.3 FM. And we welcome you to The Extraordinary Talk Show, a show to help you understand yourself and the world from a new perspective. And in the process, help you find your own personal extraordinary. And now your host for The Extraordinary Talk Show, Della Hill. Hey, everybody, and welcome to The Extraordinary Talk Show with your host, Della Hill. Today I'm doing a special unscheduled episode. I have questions that people have asked me that I want to answer more specifically. So this is not a normal show. I'm going to jump straight in without the regular stuff. You guys know what I always say. People have asked me to share the specific reasons why I left the Mormon church. And I'm here to tell you those specific reasons. First of all, the church does not talk about Mother God. That's not just the Mormon church. That's almost any church today. If I ever belong to a church again, which I don't expect, it will be a church that honors Mother God. They talk about her. They ignore her. I'm not okay with that. I did a whole show on that. You can go back and listen to it if you want. Next, and this was the number one big thing. This was a really, really big thing. This is the reason why my faith of 37 years shattered. Are you listening? Back in, when I moved to Utah from Virginia in 2011, I was so excited to be near a temple, and I started attending the temple every week, if I could, before work, Wednesday mornings, I attended the 640 session. I called my temple family, my temple family, the, the same people. I never talked to them because you don't talk to the people inside the temple, but you saw the same people all the time. And you know, we had little nicknames for each other, and it was really sweet. And one of the reasons I went to the temple, one of the main reasons I went to the temple was because I didn't understand my covenants. The first time I went to the temple was really special, and there were things there that were definitely curiosities for me. What that means to me a curiosity is when something about it feels true and something about it doesn't feel true. So there were definitely things there that felt true to me. And there were some things that did not. Some of the covenants specifically didn't make sense. And yet you're not supposed to ask about your covenants. You're not supposed to talk about them outside the temple. And you don't even get to know what they are until your hand is in the air and you're expected to say yes and agree to follow this for the rest of all of forever. You can see how that might be a problem. So... Some of these covenants I didn't understand. What the church leaders say is, if you don't understand your covenants, go to the temple. So that's what I did. I went to the temple and asked to understand my covenants. I was still trying to understand my covenants in 2013, when I was still attending every week, when I was able to. And one day I went and the temple videos had changed. There had been two videos we'd been using for a lot of years before that. I knew them very well. And one day I went and it was a new video. Nobody warned us. Nobody told us. It was just a new video. And it was beautiful. It was gorgeous. It was awesome. And not only that, but in this video, Eve was different. She wasn't taking the blame anymore. The words, like the script, didn't change very much, but Eve's attitude changed completely. Instead of being apologetic and meek and asking for forgiveness because she screwed up and ate the apple, 
this time she said, I did this. And she actually used the same words, but when she said it in the new videos, it was on purpose. They changed the whole meaning so that Eve now, rather than being at fault for eating the apple, was taking responsibility, was taking accountability. And she told Adam, if we don't do this, the plan won't go forward. So I'm going to get kicked out and you better eat it or you're going to be stuck here alone. The words didn't change. The meaning changed entirely. Instead of blaming Eve for eating the fruit, now Eve was smart and acting purposefully and intentfully. I loved that. That was awesome. I was thrilled. And along with that, some of the wording and the covenants and promises changed too. They were really subtle about it. By the way, it always bothered me. This is one of the covenants I had a problem with. This is one of the things about the temple that I had a problem with. Why are we blaming Eve? Because the article of faith number two says, we believe that men will be punished for their own sins and not for Adam's transgression. Why is it that men are getting off and they're not blamed for Adam's transgression, but we're definitely blaming Eve. And not only are we blaming Eve, but we're expecting all of the women to take on Eve's blame. What does that mean, Della? In the temple, after the way it used to be, after Eve was like, oh, I'm sorry, I ate the apple. We're going to get kicked out now. She, Eve, when God came down and talked to them, Eve had to take responsibility for being the first one to eat the apple. And as such, she had to take on Adam's authority as her husband. And in fact, part of the old temple videos and the sesh ceremony was that all of the women had to bow their heads and say yes and agree that they would basically accept Eve's blame and that we would go through our husbands for God and not have direct access to God and that while our husbands would be priests, we would be priestesses unto our husbands. Now that always bothered me, but I was a good little Mormon and I was really obedient. So I, I went along with that, even though I didn't like it. That was definitely one of the things that did not feel true to me. So when they changed it, when they updated the videos, when they took that part out, and now, and I had to pay attention, did we, is, was the little promise there? Is the little yes there? Is it still there? It wasn't. And all of a sudden, women no longer had to accept Eve's blame. And women no longer had to agree to be priests, priestesses to their husbands and only hearken to God through their husband while their husband hearkens to God directly himself. They changed it. They fixed it. I was so freaking happy. I was thrilled. The biggest problem that I had with the entire gospel, they fixed it. I was so excited. I wanted to tell everybody, but you know, you're not supposed to talk about the temple. So I just told everybody, hey, if you haven't been to the temple, you got to go. There's, there's, there's stuff. You got to go. And that Sunday, I, I hurried up and got ready for church on time. I'd like to say I made sure my kids were ready on time. That wasn't what it was about. I made sure I wasn't ready for church on time because I wanted to hear the letter when they read it because you know back in the 70s when the LDS church decided to give black people the priesthood they made a big announcement they read this letter across the pulpit they gave it to every single bishop to read that day and my mom knew a guy named Alan Cherry who was black and he was a member of the church even though he couldn't have the priesthood and his bishop drove over to his house that morning and took the letter to him so that he could be the very first person to find out so I was expecting that week in church that they were going to read a letter, that they were going to say that women 
now could have direct access to God, that they got this new revelation. And now it's, it's such a big deal that they changed in the temples and everything. Except there wasn't a letter. There was nothing. There was not a word. And I waited for general, general conference because maybe they were going to talk about it then. And they didn't. Not a single word. The leaders of the LDS church fixed the biggest problem I had with them. They resolved the number one problem. And then they swept it under the rug. They made the biggest and greatest change they could have possibly made. And they hid it. They did the biggest thing they could have done. And they pretended that they didn't. Why would they do that? And I went back to the temple every Wednesday morning to try to figure out, why would they do that? And the church leaders were right, because I wanted to understand my covenants. And they said, if you want to understand your covenants, go to the temple. So I went to the temple. I went to the temple every Wednesday morning that I could for almost three years. And that's how long it took me to realize that the covenants don't make sense. They don't. The church gives us this idea of when you do all the things, you'll get all the rewards. And if you're doing all the things and you're not getting the rewards, it's because you're not doing the things well enough. And if you do the things to the best of your possible ability and you're still not getting the rewards, it's just because you're not a good enough person. Gee, I'm sorry. Except that that's not true. If we're doing all the things and we're not getting the rewards, it's because... Those things don't work. And the church told me my whole life, if you do these things, you'll be happy. And I tried all those things for years and years and years, and it never brought me the happy that is happiness that was promised. So I went to the temple to try to figure out why. And what I figured out at the temple is it's because the emperor has no clothes. They say, go to the temple. If you don't understand your covenants, it's because you're not worthy enough. So you got to go to the temple to be more worthy. And when you're worthy, then you'll understand your covenants. Do you remember the story about the emperor who didn't have any clothes, but the guys lied to him and they said, oh, look at these beautiful clothes. Only the worthy can see these clothes. And even the emperor wasn't willing to admit that he couldn't see the clothes because he thought if he admitted he couldn't see the clothes, that meant he wasn't worthy. So he pretended to see the clothes, but there were no clothes there. There was just a bunch of charlatans taking all of his money and selling him something that didn't even exist. Well, that's what the church leaders are doing. I finally figured it out that our covenants don't make sense. They never gave us any answer about giving women access to God. They never said a single thing about it. And the reason I realized they never said a thing, single thing about it is because if they say something about it, then they have to admit that that's how it was. They have to admit that women were not allowed to be priestesses unto ourselves and that women were not allowed to have direct access to God, which, by the way, is a load of crap because no one needs an intermediary for God and no one needs to be an intermediary for God. You have absolute direct access to God and anyone who says you don't is selling something. I realized that. Because, you see, they wanted to just pretend that they had never subjugated women in that way. But they did. They did it for over 150 years. And if they had wanted to repent for it, if they had wanted to correct it, that would have required confessing, apologizing, and repairing. And they didn't do any of those things. 
they just pretended like it was never that way. They just pretended like, oh, don't mind. It's, it was always this way. It was always this way. That's not repair. That's gaslighting. And when I come out and say, hey, what happened? And everybody gives me blank stares. No one can answer my questions for me. One of the questions I have is, when they change it to the new thing, that means that new women who come through to get their endowments don't have to make the same covenant to promise to obey their husband the way I did. Congratulations for them. I don't want that covenant either. Is my covenant still in effect? Is the one that I made in 1997 still in effect, even though the wording changed in 2013? And I do mean 2013. Nobody can answer these questions. How come my covenants are different than the new people that are coming in? Do we have different goalposts for heaven? That doesn't make sense. And no one can answer these questions. And when I tried to ask people, they would either blow me off or walk away or get mad. But they couldn't answer my questions for me. And then I was talking to my sister and my mom on separate occasions only a couple of months ago, in August of 2022. And when I talked to them, they said something about temple changes in 2019. And I said, no, no, no. I'm talking about the 2013 changes. I was there for the 2013 changes. And both my mother and my mom in separate conversations went agape. They just stared at me as though they didn't understand because there was something they didn't understand that I didn't understand at the time. And what I've come to understand, what I realized after I talked to them, was that the church made more changes to the temple ceremony in 2019. And people who have heard me think, talk about this in the last couple of years think that it's the changes in 2019 that I'm talking about. It's not. I'm talking about the changes in 2013 that they pretended didn't even happen. And then when, when they did make changes in 2019, they mentioned it, whispered it, and again, told everybody not to talk about it. What is the point of not talking about it other than that if you talk about it, you might realize how messed up it is? Because it's really, really messed up. So I'm glad that they took that covenant out. And then because they didn't tell me that it didn't count for me anymore, I went back and changed it myself. I went back to God and I was like, hey, don't like that. Let's get rid of that one. And she was like, oh, good, I'm glad. But let's talk about some of the other temple covenants because that was the biggest one I had a problem with. So it was the one I spent the most time thinking about, but it's not the only one that has problems. For example, the law of chastity, I prefer to call it the flaw of chastity because it doesn't make any sense. It is too full of holes and flaws to be a law of God. A law of God must be clear and decisive. It must be black and white. It must be obvious when it is broken or else it is unbreakable. There is no loophole committee in heaven God's laws are clear. So the law of chastity, as I was given it to understand last, says that you will not have sexual relationships other than with your spouse to whom you are legally and lawfully wedded. The wording used to be other than with your husband or wife to whom you're legally and lawfully wedded. And way before that, the wording used to be other than with your wife or wives, plural, um, because, you know, the church used to practice polygamy back 100 years ago or 130 years ago. So I have three problems with that phrase. 
one is the definition of sexual relations, that you not have sexual relations. So you're basically going to go to hell if you break this because you're making a promise to God and this, your salvation depends on it. So you're going to go to hell if you break it. Okay, but what's the definition of sexual relations? That's my first big problem because if you ask the president of the church and the president of the country what sexual relations is, you're going to get a different definition. And if I have a choice, I hope I get Bill on Judgment Day if that's an actual thing, which I don't believe it is. So that's too vague. Next flaw is that you have sex only with your spouse to whom you're legally and lawfully wedded. Legally and lawfully wedded. When did God give authority to the legal system to decide if our sex is good or not. I think it's up, up to us actually to decide if our sex is good or not. I don't believe like if it's okay to be married here and you're married here and you're not married there. I don't believe that being married in one place and not married in another place makes your sex evil or makes your sex okay. I don't. I believe that your relationship with your spouse and the person that you care about is what matters. And it's not up to anyone else, especially lawmakers and tax deciders because that's really the only reason that you have to to report it to the tax authorities is for financial reasons i do not give any legal authority permission to define my marriage or relationship and i don't believe that god would either so that's the other big flaw second big flaw i have with that third big flaw is what we call the swinger clause which is when it says that you will have sex, quote, with, unquote, your spouse to whom you're legally and lawfully wedded. So what, how a lot of Mormon people ref understand this, interpret this according to the letter of the law, is that as long as you're with your spouse when you have sex, that it's okay. So like if you came to the party with your spouse, that's good enough, right? And I'm not trying to be judgmental. I don't blame people for, for trying to find the letter of the law and especially because what we were given as the law of chastity is so screwed up that it feels wrong. And if it feels right to you, then, then you have a different experience with me than me, and that's okay. But to me, the law of chastity always felt wrong, and when I finally stopped to think about it, I understood why. It's too, it's too mistaken. It's too vague. It's too screwy. There's too many gray areas, and I cannot make a promise between myself and God to live according to these rules and trust my salvation upon my faithfulness to them for time and all eternity when they have this much gray area and this many moving fields, too many weird factors. That cannot be a law of God. It can't be. And let's also add in that they don't even tell you what the words of this law are until your hand is in the air and you're expected to say yes and agree to promise with that to God and depend your salvation on it for the rest of forever. You don't even get like 15 seconds to think about this. You don't get to process it. They don't want you to process it because if you process it, you'll realize how full of holes it is. That's why they put you in that moment without any time to choose and with your family waiting and, and possibly even a, a wedding in a couple hours that you have to get to. And if you don't say yes to this thing that you have no understanding of, you might not get to get married. I have a huge problem with that. The next part of it that I have a problem with is changes. If these covenants have been defined as necessary to go to God, 
then when they are changed, we deserve updates. If I made these covenants as a promise to God that I will follow the letter of the law and then the letter of the law changes, I deserve updates. How am I possibly supposed to continue to follow a covenant if I don't know what that covenant is? So even though I no longer attend the Mormon church or the Mormon temple, if there have been recent updates to it since I've been, I believe I have a right to know what those are. Those are my covenants too. Are they not? Well, truthfully, at this point, they're not because I went back and unmade all those covenants. I don't believe that the church gets to choose for me. And so I made my own covenants. Here's another thing that I found out about the temple that they kind of told us, but they didn't really tell us the full truth. And this is where one of the problems that I have is the way that they are deceiving us. Because they tell us that in the temple, they say, you have been washed and anointed to become priests and priestesses. You know, it used to be priests and priestesses to your husbands. Now it's just priests and priestesses. So we at least get to be priestesses to ourselves. So if we're priestesses and we are washed, anointed, and ordained in the offices of the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood, that means the women have the priesthood. So if we have it, how come we're only allowed to use it in that building? Why does Melchizedek or whoever that guy was, I, I read about him a little bit in the Bible, why doesn't he like women? Why am I allowed to have the priesthood, but I'm just actually not allowed to use it? Nobody can answer that question for me either, and I have a problem with that because I think I should, I think that the power of God is available to everyone on earth, and I'm one of those people. And there's actually more than one priesthood. The priesthood of Melchizedek is not the only priesthood option. Did you know that? Like you got Aaron and you got Melchizedek. Who the heck is Melchizedek? I had to do a search and go find out. He's actually the guy that Abraham paid taxes to. And then the people, because Abraham was a priest and Melchizedek was a priest. And then when Abraham had his little priestlings, they paid tithing to him. Did I say taxes? I meant tithing. Because actually the priesthood, according to how uh, the Bible describes it, is, is the perfect pyramid scheme. Because you pay tithes up the ladder. You pay 10% of your income to the guy above you and he pays 10% of his income to the guy above him and he pays 10% and so on. So it's actually a pretty phenomenal pyramid scheme, which then made me wonder why the church doesn't use it. If it's the priesthood of Melchizedek that follows that tithing, why, and the church has the priesthood of Melchizedek, why don't we follow that tithing? I mean, it would mean that the people, the priests in the temple and the priests in the church would get to keep more of their money, but it would call it, at least follow a pretty cool system, right? But the church didn't want to do that because even though the priesthood of Melchizedek is supposed to have tithing paid that way, the church just wanted to keep all the money themselves. The church doesn't even pay tithing. Like, they don't even pay 10% of the church income to the goodness of others. Yeah, they build a lot of temples, but temples are big, great, and spacious buildings. And I don't know if you remember this, but what was it, First Nephi 15? When Lehi has a dream and Nephi interprets it, I think Nephi's interpretation was wrong. If you go back and look at that, Lehi saw this fruit and he went down and ate the fruit and it was delicious and he loved it. And it was so good that he wanted all of his family to come along and eat it. So he called them and they did. But then when they got there, some of them looked around like they weren't sure. Here's what I think that means. Every father I've ever known has wanted his children and family to be happy. Maybe he didn't know how to do it. Maybe he had terrible ways of going around it, about it. But 
pretty much every husband and father wants their husband to be wants their children and family to be families happy. So when they find something that makes them happy, they want everyone else to do it too. You know, my dad did that with the Mormon Church, and um, my friend's dad did that with his job and company. And they said, "This is how I found happiness, so you're going to find happiness this way too." And then they insist that their children follow the same route and eat the same fruit. But the same fruit doesn't make all of us happy. So when we get to the fruit, we look around and we're like, hey, I'm not sure that that's really what I wanted. And then we look over at this great and spacious building and all these people are laughing at us and making fun. And they're wearing fine clothes and, and it's kind of weird and you don't want to be one of the people in, in the great and spacious building, right? Except today, that's all the church does with their money is build great and spacious buildings. And the people who go there, like I used to, sit and judge those that tasted the fruit and realized it wasn't what we wanted. Because just because somebody else told us, this is the best fruit ever, doesn't mean it was the right thing for us. And just because Lehi ate that fruit and it was right for him doesn't mean it's right for me. Does that mean I'm layman or Lemuel? Does it mean I'm a neophyte or a layman? I believe in making my own rules, but it took me a long, long time of following somebody else's rules before I figured that out. I now am happier than I've ever been because I follow my own rules instead of the rules that the church gave me. I hope that if you're trying to find happiness and you're realizing that all the things the church told you to do wasn't bringing you happiness, you realize you can change your rules, you can change your metrics, you can start following your own rules. And... Do that until you find what works, because that's what works for me. Not the same things. Don't do the same things as me. Just figure out what works for you like I figured out what works for me. Please. And that's why I left. If you have any more questions, shoot them to me. I'm Della. I love you. Bye-bye.